Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Everybody, Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast, and today I'm here with our special guest, Dr. Dan Sullivan. Uh, Dr. Dan is a uh, neuroscience strategist, uh, and we'll get into exactly what that means. Also, uh, has a chiropractic background, married with three daughters in Nashville, Tennessee, and a lot of good stuff in store for you, specifically around, um, let's call it selling the right way. Is that a fair intro, Dr. Dan? That sounds great. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Um, so can you give us a little bit of background just as we get started? Um, how did you get into chiropractic care? I know you have a pretty good story there um, and ultimately got into practice and then what you're doing right now as a neuroscience strategist. Yeah. yeah, that's a fancy title, isn't it? Neuroscience. What does that even mean? You know, sometimes I ask myself that. Here's the thing. I'm a simple guy. I, first off, I appreciate and just love and, and, and honor to be on, on this with you. Uh, I want to bring some massive value to anybody listening. Um, so I would just encourage you to, to, you know, kind of buckle up here a little bit. I, I know you're going to, you are done your homework so well. Um, I, uh, I want everybody, and, and you asked me a question I'll get to here in a second, which is I want everyone to think about this, that I'm going to prove to you something, hopefully by the end of this, 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 uh, this, this live or this podcast here, which is story is everything. Like story is everything. And what I mean by that is, you know, there was a video that uh, I have a buddy of mine that shows all the time. And I know some of you see it's, it's like, it's called like the dancing gorilla. And it basically has a video where you have to count these passes. There's people playing basketball or just passing a basketball and says, count how many passes. And you, you end up counting these balls and, and like you all get to the, like 13 passes, but at the end of it, they show you, did you see the dancing gorilla? And while you're, while you're watching these passes, this dancing gorilla literally comes in. It's a moon, actually it's a moonwalking bear. So I got that wrong. It's like a moonwalking bear. You can Google it, just say the moonwalking bear on, on YouTube. And I say that because we all are trying to convey a message to somebody to get them to do something, to get them to believe something, to, to trust you, to, to buy something from you, to follow through, to have compliance, to get a result. And that drives our entire business, right? It entires, but, but not only that, it's like our impact, right? Our ability to, we're all kind of feel called to do something, right? You're listening to this, you're like, I feel called, or at least this is kind of the, the, the bed I'm in right now. I want to show you how potentially what you've been doing is looking at it a little bit sideways or not the full scope. And I, I say that from my own perspective, right? Because as I even answer the first question of how, what got me into it, I'm going to go into a story. This story is going to connect you with me and me with you different than any level of facts or data or information I can tell you. And I'm going to tell you that the same thing can occur with you and anybody you're trying to build trust with. And this is where I come from a neuroscience background to say, does the neurology of the brain sense, do we have fMRI studies that show how impactful the story is? And as a professional in our day and age, as a professional, as a licensed clinician, to be able to actually walk into a room and, and, and build a level of trust. And I'm going to tell you, it's not only uh, capable, it's possible, it is necessary. So for me, I'm an introvert. I have no business selling anything. Um, I, uh, I, I say this when I grew up as a, I'm a fifth of eight kids. So I've got my two oldest brothers. I've looked up to more and more than anybody and, and uh, had a great upbringing, but I was, um, 
I didn't really speak them. I've spoken to, I had a paper out when I was 12, 13 years old. And I say that I, a lot of these, you know, people on my route got free papers because I was too shy to even go knock on their door to ask for the money. Um, and so I, uh, when I got into the reason that got me into chiropractic, so I was 16 years old, I was pole vaulting. Um, I, I was a kind of big athlete. I was pole vaulting in high school. Um, I was just trying to be like my brothers and be good at sports. And, um, and so I played baseball, basketball, baseball, football, and track were my kind of main ones. And, um, I was pole vaulting and it got injured my low back and my mom, you know, went to the trainer and then my mom took me to the MD and then I went to the orthopedist and then I went to the neurologist and at all along the way, all the tests and, um, and everybody, and all I wanted to do is get back playing again. And they did all their thing and great doctors and great, you know, therapists and clinicians, but nobody was, it was still hurting. Like was, I just still couldn't run around the track. And, um, and then, my mom ended up taking, I remember, so I was raised in a small town in Northeast Nebraska. And then we went to the, the research hospital in Omaha. My mom took me down there and, and the doctor said, um, took my mom out of the room and said, um, you know, told her at the time, I didn't know because I was sitting in the room and she said, she told me she, she ended up coming in the back of the room and leaving. And, and she's like, we're out of here. And it was, it was nice. It wasn't like, it was like, just grab me. But on the way home, she said, that doctor told me that there's no test that indicates something's wrong with you. And so we had bone scans and we had uh, plain films and we had an MRI. And he said that he thought you were faking it and that he recommended some sort of antipsychotic medication. And this is, you know, years ago, right? 25 years ago. And um, I say that because then our family dentist, four days later, when one of my siblings was at the dentist, told my mom was telling this situation and our family dentist said, you should try a chiropractor. Well, I was 16. We never went to chiropractor. We didn't do, you know, none of that. Like it does, we just did the typical medical model and um, kind of, the, you know, the rest of the story. So it gets me back. I, I remember going there, Chad, and I remember like he, he was kind of weird opposite. And I still, I know him now well, and I thank him so much for my journey and be a part of it. And he, he, uh, he did these big full spine x-rays, a certain technique in chiropractic called Gonset Method, and, and, and he did these full spine x-rays, and he brought me back, and literally within 20 minutes of me being in his office, kind of a dark, kind of dank office, I'm like, how is this guy going to help me when I've just been to the biggest research centers, the best hospitals, and taken all the specialties, you know, you know solutions? And yet he brings me back and he shows me this, my, 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 essentially it's called the, you know, the, the, the pelvic plane line. And one pelvis was, he was showing me this. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, how does he, how would he know that? But he's like, there's your problem. And sure enough, he starts adjusting me. And within 12, 15 visits, you know, I'm back and I didn't miss a single baseball season or baseball practice that, you know, it was in May of that year. And then, um, you know, went on and played sports in college, played baseball in college and, so that's how I got into it. It's a long-winded story, but uh, there it is. Yeah, that's, I thank you for using that example as well. That, that that's great. Um, maybe at the end here we can uh, roll reversal, and I'll I'll do the story that I share that I share in the, our back pain and sciatica workshop that I've gone to um, about two hundred times now. Um, that's great. So uh, you you wrote a book called The Trust Formula. Can you tell us um, ultimately? And I know the amount of work that goes into writing a book. It's pretty extensive. So you did that looks amazing. Can you talk through um, exactly why you wrote the book and also um, for readers, what what's what's in it and how it's going to help transform them? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And thanks for the question. Um, so to kind of expound on that a little bit, because the, the, the context is this. So then I got to, to the, so then I went to um, like this, this chiropractor of mine, I remember him coming in the room and he was like, 
he would eventually start to call, hey, Dr. Sullivan. He would, he would come in the room and say, Dr. Sullivan, right away. And, and then he's like, you should be a chiropractor. And it was just that one thing. And I think that one of the things I just said as a clinician, like you're passionate about what you do. Like look for those other people in your practice of who you can help the next generation. Like, you know, there's certain things he must've saw in me when I'm in sports and maybe I would just kind of had it in tune to like, wow, maybe ask certain questions. So that was a part of my journey. And then the, the, the biggest part though was, so I knew going to college that that's what I wanted to do. I took pre, I took a pre a biology program. It was kind of pre-med and really pre-chiropractic. And so it was kind of, that was my journey. And I was on a one-way tra- track there. I get to chiropractic college and I start to be around different, hear different stories, if you will. I hear different perspectives. And I was kind of drawn to the non-status quo. I've always kind of been like, what's, what, 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 it doesn't make sense to me. And there must be a reason why. So I'm going to go at least ask the question, why does this work? And so it led me down to realize, wow, this is a lot bigger than I signed up for. And I'm super fired up about it. I need to learn. I need to learn. And so I just would, every month I was going somewhere and traveling to a seminar and listen to doctors and, you know, weeks, you know, during the week, going to different doctor's offices, asking questions during break, coming back, going to different, visiting different offices. And, um, so I realized, wow, this thing's bigger than I ever thought. So then, then I knew I don't have an entrepreneurship background. I don't have any sales background. I'm scared of my own shadow in a sense that I took two English classes in college in undergrad so that I didn't have to take a speech class. I was a junior in high school. It was the worst class I've ever, like, one, like I've got battle wounds still to this day from that. And, and the irony is that now I essentially, part of my gig is speak for a living. I love getting in front of audiences and the bigger, the better, you know, because I, I so, um, so I had these coaches that I knew I was going to need a coach. I knew somebody's going to have to teach me how to communicate, how to do this, how to even open a practice, how do you do any of it? And so I just started going to, you know, practice management groups. And then I aligned with this one group and kind of, kind of bought in full, 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 full tilt and came out and opened a practice in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, you know, in terms of like the industry standard, I was really eight to 10 times in about four year period. And part of it was just who I was around. I was around big thinkers. I was around people that were movers and shakers. And I, quickly then built this big practice. And then I, and then I, um, I started coaching on it and I'll tell you my level of coaching fell really flat because I'm like, I was just trying to teach them what I was doing, but it turns out like there were so many other things that I was missing out on. And so then long story short, I went, I ended up going and sold my first practice uh, in 2012 and I started an organization or I was part of an organization and, um, I started coaching and teaching on this and I was just kind of, it was like a very scripted model, do this, say this. And it was getting some results, but not to the degree I, I, I knew I was getting. And so I'm like, what, what's going on here? And then I decided to go, Hey, I'm going to go teach this at a higher level. And so I taught the, the, see my head works is I'm very prove it, prove it to me. I need the science. I need the evidence. I need the research. Why does a chiropractic do? Why? But what, what's the neurology? What's the whole. And so I went and literally spent two years traveling with some of the biggest scientists in our profession to better understand it. And then I bridged the gap between them and the practitioners say, here's what that really means. And so this is what kind of put me on the map and to develop programs and products and courses and, and even, you know, um, you know, even like devices that I, to help communicate. And so looking back and I did that from 2000, whatever it was, 15 to, to, to 20. And, and I travel around the country, you know, speaking pretty much every other weekend. And um, it was good, but this is why coming back to this book that I wrote, is one of the things that separated 
the good from the great. The greatest influences that I own, this isn't just in, in, in healthcare or in PT or Cairo or functional med or podiatry. This is across the board. Every influencer you know, the reason why they influence you is because you feel understood by them. You feel like that you resonate with them. And the greatest way to do that is that is the power of the story. So, so if, if you name even some of the people that, you know, people I follow today, like, like an Ed Milet, some of these guys that are entrepreneurs that, you know, Tony Robbins, um, you know, some of these big names, people, we all know their story. And so I think full circle, what, what I, what I wrote about in the trust formula is the trust formula is really the impact story formula. It's, it's to be able to first recognize I have a story. Number two is story lands differently than any other form of communication. And number three is there's a formula to be able to extract my story, reverse engineer it and articulate it in a way where people know, like, and trust me, especially in an environment where, you know, there's so much, you know, information at so many, you know, at our disposal that we have to differentiate ourselves. And, and that's what the trust formula is about. Great. So let's talk about that last point. I'd love to dive a little bit deeper there if you're willing. Um, I, I know a lot of clinicians that I've talked with uh, where we're on calls and, the, the one thing that we do um, that we encourage here at Breakthrough when we're working with an owner is we encourage them to share their story. Basically how, you know, they faced an insurmountable problem and they went to the four corners of the earth looking for the solution. And, and I know you have a formula that is similar as well that I'd love for you to share, but the, the, the average clinician will say something along the lines of, yeah, but there's nothing interesting about me. There's nothing compelling that never happened. And then five minutes later with the right prompts, all of a sudden this amazing story comes out of them where they climbed a, you know, a 30,000 foot mountain to find the answer and then came back and saved a small village. So how do you pull with So first of all, are we unique um, as clinicians and we really don't have a story or is there really something there and how do you pull that out of a clinician? Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a great question. And obviously great. You know, mo most of us think, Hey, I don't have a story. They came here and, or, or here's as a clinician. It's like one, I don't have a story because they they're comparing themselves to somebody else's story that they think is so captivating. Here's the crazy part about a story. The story is not about the external events. The story is about the internal event. And that's a whole nother thing, but it, the story itself, is not, the, the, the attractiveness of your story is not what happened in it. It's who you became because of it. And the, the, the very reason why you're doing what you're doing is because of your journey. And that will deliver the motive in their mind instead of them thinking that you're just doing this for your money and your bank account and your success. A story actually helped them realize, wow, you're in this for me. And this is where you take an introvert like me. When I look back, I mean, I again, the industry standard. So just like full transparency. So from, from 2005, when I opened practices in August uh, 8th, 2005, to four years later, we were seeing uh, over a thousand visits a week, collecting over a million dollars in cash. Now, I don't, I don't promote that right now as it was like kind of a crazy chaotic, you know, way to, to grow practice, but um, but I'm glad I did it. And, and the circle that I ran in is like, this is the only way to do it. Now I wouldn't, you know, it's, there's better ways to do it. You can do it smarter, not, not, um, not harder, but I will say what's the needle mover in that. When I look back, the single greatest thing was, is being myself and telling my story, but I had a desperation moment and I'll get to your question here, but, but I had a desperation moment in 2007, my dad had a heart attack and he went in for a heart surgery. And I can vividly remember that day. I, I drove two hours back home to my hometown, kind of got my dad into heart surgery and just had this like thing of emotion. And I had the practice that night. We did a, we did a, I did a group report that night to a group of new, new patients and, and, um, 
I remember just, just not caring. Like, I don't care what you guys think of me. I don't care. And I just told my version of why I'm here, the story that got me here. And ultimately this is what we're going to do for you. And something magical happened. You know, when I look back, like, like it was because I was in desperation. I just didn't care what you think. I just literally wheeled my dad in for, for reasons that things that you could avoid. And, and so that happened and we collected $30,000 that week. It was like three times the amount I'd ever collected in one week um, at that point to a year and a half, two years in practice. And it changed my trajectory of like, I don't have to be like somebody else. Like I was trying to be like my mentors. I could be me. And in fact, being me was the way that it was going to, and it took this load of stress off because I was being this, I was using extroverted. I talk about this in the book using, if you're an introvert and you use extroverted sales strategies, you're going to exhaust yourself. You're going to, you're even going to get to the point where you're going to say, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, but the reality is you are cut out for this. You've just been taught that the only way you can quote unquote sell is by coercing somebody or just doing this or that. When you become yourself and the way you become yourself is you, you nail your story because back to your question, which is, I, I would just argue, I mean, we've got a lot of smart people online. I'm going to say, you're either going to live your life and think that this reality that I've got to, I've got to be able to describe and, and communicate with data facts, logic, and information to persuade somebody. And you're going to live that as your truth, or you're going to realize the truth, which I can show you with science is that the way human brains are wired is that we think through story and we actually like, like I can show you how to suspend somebody's cognitive bias of their prefrontal cortex saying no, because it's going to say, no, oh, you're just like the other PT. You're just like the other care plan. Oh, you're just doing this because you, you just want money because you just want me to keep coming back and you want me, right? I can see that's a bias that they have in their brain. You can shut that down through, 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 through your story told the right way, because it bypasses that. And now we know what it does is it actually breathes this trust. They're like, wow, this is a real person. And you know what? They're saying things exactly how I feel. And I feel like that's different. They're different than anybody else. See, this is your USP in today's market is your story told in the right way. And so um, now I'm forgetting your question, but, but, but the reality is you do have a story. And, and then the other thing I often hear too, and I'm sure you've heard this too, Chad, is this is, is um, well, they're there for them. Not, they're not there for me. Why would I tell my story? Right. But the reality is this is they are there. You have to deliver, especially in our world, you have to deliver a service, right? So they're either going to make up a story in their mind about why you're doing what you're doing. Or are you going to tell them the real one? There's no other option. Like they're either making one up in their mind and most that if we allow them to their own devices and we all do this, we're going to be like, oh, that salesperson's trying to sell me for their quota, for their commissions, for their thing. But if they told me, hey, listen, you know, we've been in a sales environment where it didn't even feel like sales, where whether buying a couch or a car, or a new house, you're like, wow, this, they're not trying to sell me. They actually have my best, my best in interest. And so that's the beauty of story. One, you have one, two, when you tell it, you know, you got them. That's great. So a uh, couple, couple things that I wrote down, I was taking notes as you were going through there. Uh, USP, unique selling proposition, just for yeah, everybody. Uh, th th no, it's all, all good. Um, if a clinician is new to marketing, that's just went over their head. I wanted to clean that up. The other thing, I uh, love what you said there about uh, most people feel like they're on an island, that they're um, a, a, an island of quiet desperation. They're the first person to ever suffer. So if you're listening to this and you're a clinician and you're working with patients, we did a survey. Um, this was back in 2014. I had a YouTube video. It was number one in the world. Uh, top three exercise for back pain and sciatica. It's hit like 4.5 million views or something like that. 
But from that one video, we surveyed 3,100 back pain and sciatica sufferers from all over the world. And we asked them some questions. I think it was a series of 10 questions, but what came out of it was startling. And again, this is uh, a ton of, you know, dozens of countries, five different continents. And it was, I'm all alone. Nobody's ever been through this very much like with your pole vaulting story, Dr. Dan, same exact thing. Nobody's ever experienced this. I don't know what to do. I've tried everything. Will I ever get better? Will I ever get back to normal? And it, so it was just this quiet desperation. And, you know, in most of the marketing, the thing that we encourage is the same exact thing you're saying is like, you have to, through telling your story, you have to let that other person know that there's likely hope, not false hope or not enthusiastic cheerleader, pom-pom hope, but you have to let them know that they're not the only ones to go through this. And when you address the cause of the problem, they're likely going to get better. Right. So, um, wanted to include that. The other thing that we do, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this in our exam or uh, essentially the first appointment, whatever you, you want to call that visit, uh, depending on your specialty, we ask, have they ever, what have they tried for treatment so far? And the thing that we're really looking for is debugging that if, Hey, I saw, I already saw a trainer and that didn't work. And they're seeing me as a PT or you as a chiropractor, and they're somehow associating us with that past bad experience. We want to tease that out. And I, I don't know the neuroscience like you know it, but I know that I've watched people tell their share their story already around a, a past failed treatment. And you, th th there's instant relief. And I don't disparage the other clinician. I don't know what they were looking at, right? That's not getting us anywhere. But the second we pull that story out, it's there's somehow like now we've removed the barrier and now we can go on and uh, facilitate a you know normal plan of care and successful treatment. But if we don't do that and we miss a bad story, then they're likely gone after that very first visit. I, it, just curious, uh, when you when you transform your practice, um, that in the pivotal week with your, um, your father having the health challenge, um, is, is that, do you feel like that's what you were doing, that you were an authentic communicating, like what was it really that, that you were during, during that week that made the difference? Well, one, I was trying to be so perfect and scripted to be like somebody else. Cause I'm like, I just emulated these, these mentors of mine. And it wasn't that it was inherently bad. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't me. Right. And then, and then the second thing is I was missing out on the single greatest way strategy to, to build trust. You know, we were talking just before, it's like, like everybody knows in the marketing space, you got to, people got to know, like, and trust you. They first got to know who you are. They got to like you, likability. If you look at Robert Chaudhary's book, Influence, like likability is raises up there as the, one of the greatest trust builders. And then, and the, the ability to have influence. And then, um, you know, then they got to, they got to trust you. And so, um, what I was able to do is capitalize on my story because people, to your point, just a second ago, people don't buy because they understand, you know, and, and this is hard for, you know, especially in my world, chiropractors, because we're just so adamant about it. They just get it. If they just got this and they understood this and the brain, believe me, and I've done it all. I've, I've, I've created, I got frame lamps and I've created posters and, you know, so many courses and all. so I'm so adamant there, right? Like, but they don't buy because they understand. They, they don't follow through because they understand. They don't tell other people because they because they understand. They buy because they feel understood. And so how do you get them to feel understood? To your point, they, they, they feel understood just like you pulled those people. They didn't, they feel like for the first time, I have somebody that gets me. They're willing to listen. 
and they're not making me wrong and they make me it makes me feel like wow they know my journey my plight and therefore they would know how to solve it and that's what you were doing too is like if you're also differentiating yourself from the other people asking the question well what hasn't worked tell me more about what what hasn't worked and i'll tell you one even special tip on that because if you can align something that you do that was different than what they do particularly in the testing world now you got them because there's level of hope they're like okay not only do you tell me you're different and you're kind of alluding to your different because I'm talking about kind of like what didn't work and I can kind of put that over there, but you're also going to show me a path by, by testing something different. You're not looking at the same thing they're looking at, which leads me to a level of hope that says, huh, maybe this is the place. Yeah, that's great. Uh, love that point. Um, I, I'm super interested in the neuroscience as well. If we can dive deeper there for a second, I I know you did a piece on uh, negative emotions and using that. Um, can you talk about uh, that and like you can even get into the 6200 um, yeah. thought worms we have in a day? So this well. is kind of in your world in terms of like the marketing. Um, I I, uh, I like marketing because it's the same thing. Like you got to get somebody to, in today's age. I mean, think about this. So another stat that I, I don't know that you would have read about, but but um, it's been said and I don't have the the citation on this. I usually don't say something that I can't cite or, or write something that I can't reference, but this was a good source uh, from a couple of PhDs of mine that I was training with. And they said that um, there was a survey done that on today, and the, the, an average 10 minute span of today, particularly as online, as we would know, um, in an average 10 minute span, we are exposed to more information today than the average person a hundred years ago was exposed to in a lifetime. So if you lived a hundred years ago, the amount of information you were exposed to in a lifetime today we're exposed to in 10 minutes. So if you think about that from a neuroscience standpoint, see the brain has to then survive. The way it survives is that it has to shut down the majority of that which is coming into it. So if we're in marketing, you would say, okay, what's the first thing? I gotta get somebody's attention. Well, that actually is hormones. It's, it's cortisol and dopamine, right? I need, I need the curiosity hormones, dopamine. It, 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 what's next? It's the cortisol is the stress hormone. I need them to stop, get their attention, right? So I, I'm kind of a geek on this to like really study these hormones. But so, so to your question, so, so one of the things a story does is it, is it, um, is it helps again, get their attention, get them to stop because they want to figure out that we're more likely to open an email that looks like a personal email, like take your logo off the, like you can't make your emails. Cause it's like, who reads an email from, you know, I still can't believe that some of these people that, that like, not that they show me like the Macy's or golf, you know, top golf or some of these people send out certain, it's like, it's like, it's so canned that you're literally training me to not open it and not pay attention to it anyway. But it's like, who's running marketing over there. But so the more personally you can make it right. So it makes it feel like I know you, even though I know it's really probably from a higher, you know, a, a, a list. So that's the first thing is knowing we're so inundated with so much information. So we got to get ways to get them to, to stop and pay attention to us and our thing and our message. Well, if you're going to cold traffic, right? If you're going to cold traffic, you never want to see, you, you never want to talk about the benefits that you could provide. So say that you, you put a lead magnet, which is this, this um, a lead magnet would be something you would, you would give to somebody as something for free that they could read about or they, a video they could get or some sort of checklist or something that could help benefit them. They've got a pain point, whether it be a physical pain or some sort of ailment. And they and they're drawn to okay, you you you. I'm stopping because hey, I've got sciatica. So, but instead of saying here are the four things that you can do to help your sciatica to somebody you've never met before, has never seen you, 
the neuroscience approach because would be to speak to the negative. Here are the three things that you absolutely would never want to even think about doing if you have sciatica, because this is why, because it will get, you know, it, this is why it will go, it will get worse, right? And it's now I've got these three things and here's why. The brain is, is so on average, we used to think, we were talking about this before, we used to think that we're between 40 and 60,000 thoughts per day. But now we are able with some brain scanning to, to, to isolate these thought worms is what they call them. And so we, we, we basically it simply means that we could create these thought worms that tells us really the average human is around 6,200 thoughts per day, right? It's between six and 7,000, let's just say that. But here's the kicker. 80% of those are, 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 are negative. The average human, all of us, 80% of our thoughts every day are negative. Now, the reason why we should be meditating and focus on gratitude and have a different perspective, right? But that's a whole other story. But because of that, hey, let's ride that. Like you're, you know, so this here's your kind of marketing tip of the day here is that if you're going to create something that's going to try to go, that's going to go to cold traffic, because some of you don't know, to, to, to try to build a bridge and to get them to know who you are, eventually like and trust you so they take action and do something then you want to speak to that negative because if the majority is already negative, it's literally going to, it's going to, it's going to literally speak directly to that. And there's another whole thing. And I had a mentor of mine teach me this. And he was like, listen, if you went down, if you went down to, you know, I live in Nashville. So I went down to Broadway, which is kind of the main street drag, the street where all the music is on. And I wanted to hand out hundred dollar bills. Like I can tell you right now, like, like some people would take them, but I would say that a lot of people wouldn't because they were like, what's the catch? Like when you do something positive for somebody you don't know, you're thinking, what's the catch? Why would I take that? You know, but if some, so, so, but if somebody, that same person that said no to the hundred dollar bill, if they, if they fell off the, you know, the curb, banged up their head, scashed, gouged out their, their forehead and they got bleeding. And I came up to them with a dirty handkerchief that I just snotted on in my back pocket, like with open arms, they would still allow me to put this thing on their head. On, on their head and, and, and because they're in a certain pain and it's a negative emotion. It's a negative thing they're experiencing. See the human brain responds differently to negative than, than positive. And this is why you would think, how can I, how can I craft the message? So I had a gal, uh, so I was teaching this one gal, she has this product, this natural hair dye, but believe it or not. And it actually helps hair growth. It's all natural. It's got all these natural ingredients and she's gone to the ends of the earth and created this amazing product. And, uh, and so we were going through some marketing with her. I was, and I was just telling her, I'm like, I'm like, you, here's what you have to look at. Instead of saying, here's, here's what you should have in, in to help your hair grow and to, to be able to diet naturally well, is that here are the three ingredients you never want to put on your scalp to prevent one burning of your scalp, uh, long-term you know, hair degeneration, and ultimately just bad overall systemic health because of what's in it. And, and so like, they're more drawn to read that then here's the positive of what you should be doing because for for whatever reason our brain is just not wired to to to, to respond to the positive like it would the negative so that was again another long form way of saying you know more negative when it comes to cold traffic. this podcast is brought to you by breakthrough the leading platform for practice growth breakthrough has helped over 1500 healthcare practice owners leave a bigger impact in their communities and grow a larger business as the founder of Breakthrough, I've developed a library of educational resources on practice growth. These are based on my learnings from my own experience as a private practice owner, plus the experience working with thousands of other owners in the Breakthrough community. If you have a growth mindset and you're hungry for free resources to help you grow, check out Breakthrough's resource hub. Go to getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources 
where you'll find on-demand trainings, tools, templates, planning guides, and a host of other free resources. Again, you can find these at getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. If you're interested in getting direct support with your practice growth, you can request a free growth consultation at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. So you talked about uh, the trust formula, also the impact story formula. Um, we will link, so you provided us with a worksheet for um, clinicians to go through. So if you're listening to this, just look in the show notes. We'll include uh, Dr. Dan's PDF for the impact story formula. Can you talk about, um, so I'm a clinician, I'm listening to this. I go there, I download the formula. How do I use it? Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to, that's a, I'm going to circle back to the question because you asked it before and I didn't do a good enough job of answering. We say, how do you, how do you bring the story to life? Right? Because you, if you follow Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, it's got like, you know, 18 steps and, and it's like, that's the, that's the movie industry. Like everybody, every story it's, there's not, we're not rewriting the, the, the story, but what I love to do, cause I'm a simple guy. I liked, I took everything and I looked at all the, the story teaching kind of methodology of how do you uncug it? How do you unpack it? Where do you start? And then how you deliver it? Like, and I simplified it in the best I could. Right. And that's, what's called the insight pack story formula. And, and I just, for, for everybody out there, first off, I, I just want to remind you, um, if you don't have, you don't, if there's no conflict, there's no story. If there's no conflict, you know, story. So I've got three daughters. I've read a lot of children's books as you have, you know, Chad, like you've read a lot of books, right? It's like, if it's Bernstein bears, if it's Dr. Seuss or my favorite, Amelia Bedelia, like every story, even as a child story, it's not a story unless it has conflict. Right. And so, so I created the story formula, which essentially it, it, it's four simple steps, but really I could pull it down to you had a test, you searched for a solution and then you had a, and then you had a triumph. And, and, and I also even put it in three P's. Think about story. Like you got a person, right? Really got a protagonist. Sometimes it could be a butterfly if it's a kid's book. You know, it's like, it's a protagonist, which we'll just call it you. It's your story. It's, it's you're the main character, right? Then you have a problem and then you have a principle. So the reason why you would tell a story is because you're saying, okay, I, and I, and I loved how you said this earlier, like, you know, everybody thinks they have a story, but like the reason why you're where you are required a journey. Well, that journey is a story. And I know you may to this day not think it's a big deal because you're comparing it to somebody else's journey. But I'm going to tell you when you start to really, because this can change your marketing. You know, one of the first things I do when I work with clients is like, we do this thing called the, you know, 10K in 20 days where, where I, I show them how they can, if they have a little bit of a database, like they just take their story and that we, we help them through the impact story formula, really create this two minute version through video of their story. And then they send it out to their, to their, to their list. And, and then they put a special offer into it and they'll be getting droves of new patients that they never thought were even there, but they're there. They just never heard the story that, that would allow them to have a trust and a bond to them that says, Oh, you know what? Maybe I should go in there. And same thing with your social media. So I just got like, here's a tip for you. Like, you know, you know, so you would say, well, how would I do it? What do I start with my story? Which was your main question. So one of the things that you think about is, okay, how can I relate to my audience? Who's my audience and, and, and how I'm going to relate before we did this thing, before we did this, this podcast, I'm like, like, Chad, who's the main audience, right? Cause I want to know who you guys are, like, so I can bring you value. So I think I'm going to talk about my upbringing. Well, my upbringing in chiropractic, being a clinician, my upbringing before that was I'm, I'm, I'm had no business, you know, being a communication guy. Cause I was scared of my own shadow. If I, I, I would rather have, you know, cut my eyes out than to speak in front of people. So you gotta know, like, and here's, here's another whole thing. Like 
So my oldest brothers ended up becoming medical doctors, right? So my two oldest brothers who I looked at more to, and that's where I was my, like before I was 16 and had this injury, I wanted to be like them. So it's going to be like my, my mom's a nurse. She was a nurse 37 years, just, you know, two years ago, uh, retired. My other sister's an occupational therapist. So I grew up in the medical model. When I got sick, it was drugs, right? I didn't have one set of tubes. I had two sets of tubes in my ears for, for in otitis media. I had, you know, um, my tonsils taken out at nine. So I tell you that because I'm not, I didn't grow up in, in natural land. I didn't grow up in chiropractic. I didn't grow up in physical. I didn't grow up in natural ways. Guess what? Guess who I told that story to after my, this, this happened with my dad, I tell it to everybody. And it turns out it's the thing that bonds me to them because now it's like, I'm not telling you something that I grew up knowing. I'm telling you something that when I heard a truth, I couldn't unhear it. And I lived in the model. I was probably even more entrenched in the medical model than most. And I came out of it because of this, and it opened my eyes to that there is something outside of it and that, that I could do. So you see how like immediately I'm bonding with any audience. Like I'm, and then, and then when I hear about it, I'm like the idea that we have a metal, a model that you just, you, you wait till we get sick and then it breaks down. And then you just numb the, the, the you, we, we numb it from wherever the brain is feeling it. To, so it, like, that's so absurd. Right. And, and, and you start to get people on your eye or you repel, right. You repel the people who just love their drugs and want to go do that because I'm attracting the people that are ready to pay and commit and go long-term. So upbringing is the first piece is just a little piece about your upbringing that would relate with your audience. Number two, then is the second step is your test. And this is simple. You had a test. You came across a moment where maybe you're, you're, you know, say you're a uh, PT and you're a physical therapist. You're like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of wanted to go work on cars. I also kind of wanted to be a dentist. And I kind of wanted to be a cop. But then what happened was I got to, I got into sports and I saw one of my buddies got injured, uh, uh, you know, running track. And so he, you know, he went to this PT and, and, and then these PTs, honestly, these PTs look kind of cool. They were fit. They were kind of like fit my lifestyle and my worldview of what I wanted to do. They could run their own business and it kind of just all fell in line. But I just actually just thought it was like a good job until I started to see in PT school, the lives that we change. You, and I'm just throwing this out there, right? Like that you, you may think your story was nothing, but it's huge because you're like, you had this test in your life that it was just, hey, I was just getting in this for this and kind of just to be a good profession. And then I thought there was, I realized there was so much more. Like that alone is a story that gets somebody to be like, wow, I see why you're so passionate about this and you're different than anybody else I've been to. Right. So you had this test. And then, so the first part is upbringing, or sorry, yeah, upbringing. Then we have a test. And then you have the search, which is a solution for the test. And then you have a triumph. Um, and um, so the important piece, if you say, okay, Dr. Dan, what's the base, most important part of the formula? Hands down, not even question, it's your search. So in the search, I break this down. And I don't want this to get complicated because it's not. It's very simple when you look at it. But in the search that you, you, you encountered, you encountered some emotion, you encountered some skepticism. And because of those two things, when you describe those well, you can essentially make anybody sitting across from you feel heard and feel understood. Because like I said before, the, 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 and I don't wanna get, I feel like I'm getting down a little bit into the weeds. I don't want to do that because my point is, the reason you watch a movie is we, we're captivated by the internal struggle that the main character is going through. That's what keeps our attention because then we see through their eyes and we put ourselves in that position. Research out of McMaster University said this, the reason when we hear a story, 
we, 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 we think of three things. We think of what's the motive of the person that we're witnessing or watching. We think of what are their desires. And then we put ourselves in that position and, and ask ourselves, what would we do? So that's every person listening to a story. That's just the way our brain is wired. So when you tell your story, they're thinking, what's the motive? Because left alone devices and they're coming to you, your, your prospects and new patients are thinking, well, your motive is just to kind of make this thing operate, make some money, give me to keep going back. And you may think, well, I know that's not, I mean, regardless, that, that's what most, at least some of them are thinking, right? And so your story allows them to, to, to create a different motive in their brain of what you do. And then what your desires are helps them see, okay, what are your desires? So your story led to your desires. It helps me realize the why behind what you do. Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why, says it's not about doing business with people who believe what you, sorry, he said it's not about doing business with people who need what you have, right? It's not about doing business with, with all the people who need what you have. He said it's about doing business with the people that believe what you believe. And the only way that you would know that is they know your why. How would they know your why as you tell your story? And so all that to kind of wrap up there, which is, um, you know, then that, that patient is going to feel understood because they're going to put themselves in your shoes. Like, you, you know, Chad, you mentioned like the, the, the sciatica story that you have, I guarantee you. So you, you had a level of success. Truthfully, I look back 2012 when I saw my practice, my first practice, I looked back and I was like, you know, and then I went to, I moved to, to Tennessee and opened practice there. And then I was in Atlanta and opened practice there. I taught at a university there and kind of was open to some franchise offices there. And, and I look back and I was just involved with a lot of students and doctors and entrepreneurs. And I look back and I'm like, it's kind of crazy. The most successful people that I know told their story over and over and over again, either in person, in groups, or online. Like, like one of my best friends, Dr. Josh Axum, and I got a mastermind together that we, that we run. It's kind of a celebrity, kind of natural doctor. And, and I always go back to any, and, and Joe Rubin is another good friend of mine who ran a garden of life and built that to a big and sold that. And, 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 and it's funny, both these guys that literally would, I sit, sit and ask them and, the, and they'll be like, what's crazy is, all we did was tell our story thousands and thousands of times. That's all we did. Because I asked Jordan, like, how did you build this, this, this almost billion dollar company? And he's like, I don't know. I just, I wrote books and I just went and told my story over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I, I probably guys. haven't, I probably haven't read the maker's way in 10 plus years, but I know that he had Crohn's. He got down to like 97 pounds and I, I remember, and he went and lived on the beach, I think in a trailer or something like that. Like I yeah, remember the whole exactly story right. that many years ago. Yeah, yep. crazy. Um, that's great. So uh, love what you shared here. This is uh, definitely unique. I'm also very glad that you mentioned The Hero's Journey uh, by Campbell. I had actually written that down. It was mm -hmm. super odd that you said that. And, and my notes, as I, I have a ton of notes here. Um, also appreciate what you said, Dr. Dan, about you know sharing your upbringing, the test, uh, you know, that conflict uh, going on the search and especially what you said about skepticism and doubt and then uh, ultimately the triumph as well. Um, I don't, do we have time for the story? Um, I'll do it really quick if, you, if you're down. Yeah, I want to hear it, story. Yes. Great. So uh, we, we teach um, essentially how to do a lecture. So if you go into, you know, any sort of medicine, healthcare, um, lectures, workshops, they're not new. Um, that, and they go by multiple names, webinars, um, whatever it may be, but, uh, th they've been around for 150 plus years. Elizabeth Longfellow was, um, in New York city, first female physician in the U S she wasn't allowed to market, uh, because of the AMA or the AMA predecessor prevented her from marketing. So she began telling, doing educational lectures 
she built an extremely successful practice and had a, a long career and she was essentially advertising these talks. So workshops are not new, but we've been doing back, we built our entire practice around workshops. We run um, 12 of them every single month hmm. right now. And we help hundreds of other practices do the same thing. So the, the one point in the workshop is why should the audience be listening to you? So whether you've been invited in or whether you're hosting an in-house workshop, it, it's an important point. Um, and it's, uh, it's point number two in our, um, our formula there. And so the story that I always share about back pain and sciatica um, the most is, so when, um, so this is 2005, my wife was pregnant with our second son. And uh, I went home from work and I was working long days and I found her in the laundry room and she had been pulling out a pair of wet jeans from the washer and she got stuck and she was laying on the floor and she was crying. And, uh, and I said, Hey, what happened? And she had been there for an hour and a half. So she was stuck for a while. Um, I helped lift her up and we're walking out to the living room. And I said, Hey, by the way, I know you've been having some back pain. Aren't you doing the exercises that I gave you to do right early, not in early marriage and sensitive husband, mm -hmm. like everything was wrong. And she said, listen, and she stopped crying immediately. And she said, I've been doing everything you told me to do. It's not working. You're a physical therapist, figure it out. So um, I had taken advanced spine studies uh, in college, had done the Con Ed, had been in the journals, um, but like did a deeper dive and uh, talked with some friends. They told me who to go study from. And uh, the I had never been big into manual therapy or in chiropractic care, you know, uh, manipulations um, in any way, mobilizations in PT. So went, took this course, um, a hands-on course down in Virginia, came back and treated her with everything that I learned. Instant relief. Um, as a matter of fact, that, um, so that pregnancy, she ended up doing really, really well. We walked in uh, when it came time to deliver, happy ending to the story. Um, not only did I understand um, how what I had learned in PT school wasn't up to par. Um, but I started doing everything that was in the research. So evidence-based uh, practice, uh, treated her. She went on to have a great pregnancy. We got to the delivery room. We were in an observation room uh, when it came time to deliver. Never had an epidural. Um, no IV, anything. She delivered 43 minutes from the time that we pulled into the hospital and uh, it was by a nurse midwife in the um, observation room there. Luckily, there were no other women in the room. And afterwards, I was talking with the doctors and the nurse midwife. And I said, hey, like, is this normal? And they said, absolutely not. Like to do this type of like not a normal delivery at all. It's usually a choice. Um, but we couldn't do the epidural in time because um, and I said, hey, I've been moving her pelvis around uh, with hands on techniques for like the last three months. Do you think that had anything to do with it? And they said, oh, yeah, research shows that like they, they and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, why aren't we doing this for everybody? Anyhow, that's the story that I share. So I think, bro, we have a little, I'm telling good? you, not now it's good. Like I could I could and I won't do it, but but I just want to make sure everybody with all the listeners know, like the way you sequence that, like part of it is your, your vulnerability, like 
a part of the story is that it can't be, hey, even if you're a real estate agent, like we all want them to have some passion, conviction, and some expertise. If they told you, listen, I kind of used to practice this way or a financial advisor, you know, I used to kind of just sell products over here. And I realized like, I, I did this wrong. Like I was missing a huge part, right? It, they're vulnerable saying, I admit you, and you did it in a good, lightful way of like my wife, like you're the PT, like I, here you are. I didn't know. I couldn't help my most important person to me. I could help on my page. I couldn't. And I realized I didn't know something that I went and got trained. See, you, you immediately, it's a brilliant story right there because there's so many aspects that allow. So, so for me and I study, I'm, I'm, you know, my faith is pretty important to me. And as a, a man of God, or I try to strive to be, it's like, there's a lot of Bible verses that says when, when I, in my weakness, my strength. And it turns out that our communication is that is that when you have some weakness and you express that with vulnerability and then come back with, this is what I did. It's like, so your story has that written all over it. And one last thing I'll say on that is like, like, I just want to, you know, propose to, to, to listeners, like, I just, the story you're telling yourself here, everything's a story. Like life is a story, your vision for your practice, your life, your finances, it's all a story. It's either going to catapult you forward or it's going to hold you back. Everything's a story. And so like, I look and even study the Bible and I'm like, God used people and he used stories more than any other thing. He didn't use facts. He could have said, this is how I created the world and I created perfectly in this and I created the body. No, 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 he didn't do that. He used people and stories. It's like, what gives us the right? And this is where I'm such a geek on this stuff. I'm like, oh, I want the world to, especially people that are doing great work as you describe, helping people get off drugs away from that stuff, having a life of health and hope and memories. Like, oh man, we need to be capturing these people and, and practices can blow up this way. So anyway, great story, dude. Great story. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Dan. I, I appreciate it. Um, what's the best way for our listeners to find you, get in touch with you? Well, a couple of ways. Number one would be um, my Instagram is a pretty easy way to get a hold of Dr. Uh, Dr. Underscore Dan underscore Sullivan. Um, they can go to actually if you want to get the book. That's probably like it because that's kind of new. You get the trustformulabook.com. That's the best way to go and grab that book, the trustformulabook.com. And then, um, you know, my, my website's realdansullivan.com. Cool. So, and I, again, we will um, post all those links within the show notes here. Uh, Dr. Dan, thank you so much for uh, sharing your expertise. Absolutely love this. I uh, have a more than a page full of notes here right now. So love everything you're doing, man. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me on. It's such an honor. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.